Thanks so much for, for joining us for this uh, Masculinity Seminar. My name is Mike Taylor. I'm the Youth Minister here. I'm very thankful to be able to uh, introduce to you uh, the speaker for today. Uh, his name is Al Stewart. So while I invite Al over to interview him, how about I pray uh, to kick off our session? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to wrestle with what it means to be uh, a man who um, loves you and who loves others. And I uh, pray that um, all of us would be challenged um, with how we can uh, take responsibility so that we can be better servants in our churches, our families, and our communities. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So, um, Al, welcome. Thanks well, for joining nice us. to be here. Yeah. Um, so I've got a couple of questions. The first one uh, is, if you could have an unlimited storage of one thing, what would it be? Coffee. Oh, yeah. Has that been an increasing um, need uh, over the I, years? I just drink buckets of it. I'm not a coffee snob. I'm a caffeine addict. Uh, yeah, my son-in-law once asked me, "Don't you get caffeine head? Don't you get caffeine headaches?" <laughs> no. Yeah. You get them when you stop. Yeah, okay. So yeah, no, I think coffee would be the yeah. 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 So the, before I go to bed each night, I set up. I got a drip later. I set it up right, uh, right. early morning. Drips through. Coffee waiting for there. So yep, love it. Wow. You sound like someone who's gone gone through. Um, I went to Bible College, more college, and <laughs> I would go to people's houses and they'd have those drip systems and that have pipes. Uh, no, and I'm not stuff. that fancy. I just, I'll drink drink instant. Yeah. I'll drink anything. That's fine. Yep. Good to know. Um, now you spent. Some time in ministry, uh, what kind of roles have you had? Ooh, uh, this year's 40 years, so done a, a few different things. I've uh, been an Anglican minister for about 20 of those years. I've worked the City Bible Forum um, in the different CBDs around the country, uh, speaking to people about Jesus, involved with Katoomba Christian Convention for 30 years. Uh, yeah, they've done a bit of different stuff. Yeah, and you're a bishop? Uh, yeah, I was, a, I was a bishop in Wollongong for a little while. Um, I kind of worked out I wasn't, wasn't the right man in the right job. You need to be very patient to be a bishop. And uh, I'm the guy who bangs on the microwave wanting it to hurry up. So, uh, in all seriousness, I just found myself being cranky all the time. And I just thought, me being grumpy all the time because I'm so impatient, it wasn't good for me or uh, the people that I was trying to deal with. So I thought it was better just to go do something that I was a bit better suited to and uh, Peter Haywood took over and he's a very patient man. So mm. It's good to be aware no of our weaknesses. No <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like not many people would probably fit easily into a bishop role. Um. Yeah, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, often um, you're trying to sort, in ministry, you're trying to sort out cat fights. Uh, when you're a bishop, the cats have got pretty big by the time they get to you. <laughs> so, anyway, be gentle with your bishop. If you're an Anglican, I don't know whether we all are, but if you are, be kind to your bishop. Well, it's good to know, you know your strengths and your weaknesses. I, I know um, doing men's events and thinking of the topic of masculinity is a strength because I think probably about 15 years ago in, in Narrabeen area, I remember going to a, a men's event that you ran and found it really helpful. So thank ah, you that you're still you. serving us in this way. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, would you like to share just who's in your family? Uh, yeah, I've been married to Kathy for 42 years. Uh, Kathy's a lovely Chinese lady. They've uh, got four kids, they're all married now, and three grandchildren. So if you're a dad, 
hang on in there to be a granddad because that's your reward for parenting. It really is. It's just great fun. Like here they are, you play with them, fill them up with sugar or whatever, and then yeah, or dirty nappy. Oh, that must be yours. So it's, it's yeah, grandparenting. It's great. Awesome. Um, and it sounds like obviously hanging out with your grandkids is part of what you do in your downtime. Um, well, they both they live in either Canberra or Melbourne, so it's a right. little bit tricky. But it's lovely to see them, etc. Yep. Yeah. What else do you do in your downtime? Oh, uh, I try and keep fit for an old bloke. Go to, go to gym six mornings a week to just try more for the brain than the heart, but that's a lot of what I do. Uh, and Kathy and I bought a few acres of, um, well, it's blackberries, rocks, and wombats, really, uh, down near Goulburn. And we sneak down there on a day off, and uh, I've got a zero turn lawnmower, and it's just serenity because when you're on the lawnmower with the earmuffs on, no one comes near you, no one bothers you, the phone doesn't ring, that's, that's what I love to do. Oh, and I've got a chainsaw to cut wood in the winter. That's funny too. That's <laughs> oh, very yeah, masculine, the chainsaw. Uh, well, it's always good when you're finished and you count your arms and legs and they're all intact, so that's it. That's good. So. Yeah, and what's your top, uh, interest in the topic today? I talk to a lot of men in my job, and especially a lot of young men, and I think there's great confusion today about what it means to live as a man and that masculinity has been either misunderstood or greatly devalued. And uh, uh, I've had to go my humble effort at a book about this. Uh, two things. One is it's trying to give men a positive view of what it looks like to live as a man. And two, it shows that anyone can write a book. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and by the way, if you do buy I don't get any royalties for it. So that, you know, it all goes to Matthias Media. Yeah. And um, so I'll, I'll announce the bookstore at the end, but we do have copies of fantastic book that we've been using in our youth ministry lately. Um, and what outcome do you hope as a result of this seminar? I'd like to go away young and old, uh, young and older, uh, thinking about how to get on the front foot and live positively as a man. And not just enjoy being that yourself, but to bless other people around you. Mm -hmm. That's what I would hope. And if everyone stays awake, that would be good. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, um, I might hand it over to you and we'll just quickly change the PowerPoints. Okay. Right yeah. Now, when Mike asked me to come to this um, speech, I'm going to be speaking to the Year 9 to 12 youth group. <laughs> now, as I look around, I think some of you guys have repeated Year 9 a few times. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's great to see you, and if you are still at school, great. And if you're not, that's great too. So, um, and here's the deal. If you sit there and uh, don't say anything and kind of, it, it's going to be a very long hour or so. What I'm hoping is we get you to talk to each other and then feedback stuff to me that you agree with, suggestions, answers, or disagree. And the more interactive you are, the more useful and uh, interesting it will be. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm going for bad stuff. Sounds like uh, is that okay? Yeah. yeah. Ah, well done. All right. Excellent. Okay. Healthy masculinity and why the world needs it. Let me uh, let me just kind of set the scene, if I may. Okay. What does it What does it mean to live as a man today, or what does healthy masculinity look like? Uh, let me show you some of the things I think that have happened over the last. Ooh, couple of generations. I'm now 64, so I can think back 50 years or so. Some of you are older, some still younger, but here we go. Let me show you some of the things that have been um, 
I know attacks might be too strong a word, but things that have happened about understanding masculinity in our, in our culture. Okay, what's happening to masculinity in our culture? For example, in movies and television. All right. Now, your thinking man's movie in the 1980s, Predator, uh, with, uh, starred who? Anyone want to guess? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Okay. Now, on the left, you have Jesse Ventura, who became a governor of an American state. He was a wrestler, only in America. Arnold himself, and then Carl Weathers. Okay? Uh, Predator, 1987. Great show. Was, was terrific. All right. Now, they've remade multiple sequels of it, of course. Um, each of those guys, Jesse, Arnold and Carl, are... 110 uh, kgs, you know, 6'3", 6'4", giant men. And, of course, the Predator goes through them all like fat through a goose, except Arnold. But they remade Predator in 2022. Now, who do you think is the hero of Predator in 2022? Oh, it's called Prey, but it's really Predator, OK? Um, by the way, it's, it's actually a really good movie. But who is the, the uh, hero? Answer? Amber Mid-Thunder. Now, she's a great little actress. She's five foot... I uh, had it written down here. She's five foot seven and 55 kilos. If you tried to make this movie in the 80s with her as the hero, it, it would have been laughed off the screen. But all of a sudden, little girls are the ones with all the power beating up the men. Or... Designate a survivor. It was on Netflix or Stan. I watched a season or so, Keeper Sutherland. Yeah, all right. The little lady on the left, Maggie Q, is really cute. She is um, five foot six and 51 kilos. This tall, 51 kilos. I'm watching in about the beginning of the second season and she drop kicks a man who's 100 kilos through a wall and destroys him. That is a lot. I turned it off. But I cannot watch that level of nonsense. But in terms of men and women and physical things, it's all power to women at the moment. Right? We've got more female superheroes and whatever than... I don't know. Okay. It's not true, gentlemen. It's actually not true. Let me show you something that a woman has written. Uh, the Case Against the Sexual Revolution by Louise Perry is an excellent book. Now, she is not a Christian... But she keeps getting so close to the, the Bible's teaching about how men and women should relate to each other. She just can't bring herself to... It's like the frog that jumps half the distance to the lily pad each time. She can't quite say that the Bible and God get it right. But here's the thing about men and women and strength. Let's start with some physiological differences. Adult women are approximately half as strong as adult men in the upper body and two-thirds as strong in the lower body. On average, men can bench press more than women can by a factor of roughly two and a half and can punch harder by a similar factor. In hand grip strength, 90% of females produce less force than 95% of males. So you've got that 95% of males are stronger than 90% of women. In other words, almost all women are weaker than almost all men. And any feminist analysis of the power dynamic between men and women has to begin with the recognition of this fact. Men are stronger than women. We're bigger, we're stronger, we're faster, we're testosterone makes all the difference. Now, you're not supposed to say that these days, okay? Uh, except when you see a trans woman dominate the swimming when before he was number 500, etc., etc. Now, what's the implications of that? Here's just a kind of a touch point. There's a couple of things. First of all, 
you know, women are all empowered and do all this stuff physically, etc. One wrong reaction is for men to say, oh, well, I give up, they can do it all, okay, and kind of lie on the couch and be passive and useless. The other wrong, another wrong reaction, though, is, I don't know if you know who Andrew Tate is, you want to just nod if, I know, I know in men's things, no one ever puts their hand up, but you want to just nod if you know who Andrew, yeah, okay. <laughs> He's a nasty, nasty piece of work, and... Um, uh, on social media and was on Big Brother and is a kickbox, basically misogynist, woman-hating, all sorts, and yet it's got huge following on social media. Currently under arrest for probably human <coughs> trafficking in Romania. But passive, oh, I'll just leave it all to them, or hey, we are bigger and stronger and we'll exploit that and maybe do the wrong thing with it. Both wrong reactions. Anyway, that's one. Next one. Men are portrayed as idiots. Okay? Now, often, you know, sometimes we are, but overwhelmingly in, say, popular culture, men are shown as either incompetent fools or you know, idiots or whatever. Let me show you what's happened in the last whew, 40 or so years, just with some sitcoms. Who remembers this one? Anyone? Okay, who is it? The Brady, the Brady Bunch. And the dad's name in The Brady Bunch was, is Mike Brady. Well done. Uh, now, Mike Brady permed his hair, but hey, it was the 70s. Um, he's got this blended family. He's part of the solution. He was wise, non-anxious presence, etc. Okay, so that's um, Brady. Uh, Brady Bunch was uh, yeah in the seventies, and then we got uh, Happy Days. Uh, Happy Days picked up in uh, also in the kind of the late sixties, early was well, about the sixties, but happened in the seventies. Tom Bosley played Howard Cunningham once again. The wise, non-anxious presence in the family. But it didn't take long for the rot to set in. Al Bundy, married with children, totally useless human being. Um, when was he? That 1987 to 1997. And then, of course, in 1987, that American icon, Homer Simpson, arrives. Uh, and Homer is funny but totally useless. Then the next to come along uh, in 1987, everyone loves Raymond, except me. I thought he was just this hopeless weasel. Um, etc. Uh, then in no, 2000 and um, let me go back. When was it? Uh, yeah, 2005. Um, no, sorry, 1991. You've got Family Guy. If you don't know who he is, you're lucky. That's Peter Griffin. He's Homer Simpson without any of the good bits. Um, <laughs> next one, 2004. Does anyone know who that is? That's Papa, uh, Peppa Pig's father. I don't even know if he's got a name, but Peppa Pig's father is basically a useless fat pig, um, <laughs> etc. And you can see the move from Happy Days and Howard Cunningham through to the men are useless, okay? Or they're pigs, one or the other, I guess. Or when I was raising my, reading my little kids, has anyone ever seen these books, the Berenstain Bear books? They've sold millions of them. Let me read you what the um, New York Times says the plot is, and it is this. Um, according to the Washington Post, the action usually starts when the kids face a problem, they turn to Papa, who offers a solution that not only makes the problem, sorry, that makes the problem worse, or the fears of the kids about it worse, and a mama who eventually sets everything straight. So I read a few of these to my kids and I realised, oh, wait a minute, Dad's always the idiot in these books. Well, I'm smart enough to work out reading books to your kids that say Dad's an idiot isn't a great idea, so we stop reading them. Okay. All right, so there's a conspiracy to say 
uh, the physical thing and women and power and everything to kind of paper over that. Men are shown as idiots. Let me show you a different one. And that is, let's confuse the difference between men and women. And so uh, Conchita Wurst won Eurovision in 2020. Um, I think he's a he. Uh, Or let's kind of feminise men. That's James Charles. He teaches how to put makeup on on YouTube. He's got 23 million subscribers on YouTube. And he kind of messes with my head because when I look at it, I think he's pot. He's hot, so I think, oh, no, that can't, it doesn't, no. Just moving on. Um, or let's kind of confuse the genders, okay? So, you know, binary, non-binary influences, etc., etc. Or we just come straight out and call masculinity toxic. So toxic masculinity, exaggerated masculine traits like being violent, unemotional, sexually aggressive, and so forth. I put it to you, when men behave that way, it's not toxic masculinity, it's toxic humanity. Because you can have toxic femininity as well. It's about the way you treat people. Um, But, you know, feminist writers like uh, Clementine Ford, she's she's actually a very talented writer. Uh, I read this one. Um, I thought it would be 300 pages of her shouting and whinging and screaming at me for being a man. I was wrong. It's 367 pages. Um, <laughs> anyway, she doesn't understand how to talk to a man. You never shout at a man or, a, or a, uh, a teenager. You speak quietly to a man if you want him to listen to you. She shouts. Anyway, what's that all come up to? It all comes up to, I think, the attempt... If you believe that all power is... is the world is all about either um, aggressors and victims, right or perpetrators and victims, and what you've got to do is reduce everyone's, anyone's power. So you downplay the physical, you say men are stupid, you um, blur the boundaries between men and women and all up. Well, let me tell you about Musket. This is um, our Staffordshire Terrier. I loved him dearly. He's, uh, he died 18 months ago, sadly. Staffordshire, this is Staffordshire Terrier number two. Number one... Uh, was fully wired up. He hadn't been de-sexed uh, and he was off chasing girlfriends one day and got hit by a bus. So in order to get Staffordshire Terrier number two through the Senate and by him, I had to agree to have poor old Musket's batteries disconnected. And uh, so he was de-sexed. And that made him much easier to handle and much better behaved. But I don't think he enjoyed life quite as much. But I think, gentlemen, often that is what so much of our world is trying to do to us. All right. Now, um, the wrong reaction, and it's happening particularly, I think, for young men, and I'll, I'll say teenagers, like young men, the wrong reaction to all of this often is to say, oh, well, look, I'll leave them to it and I'll escape into the virtual world. And so the virtual world can be... Um, we go back, it can be video games online uh, and like who doesn't want to save the world uh, with, uh, I don't know, Fortnite is still is Fortnite still flavour of the month? Yeah? No? It kind of is, but it's not. It's not cutting edge anymore? Yeah, yeah okay, alright, I'm 15 minutes behind. Alright, <laughs> but um, okay, so who wouldn't want to you know, uh, save the world with video games, uh, etc, when you know, the virtual world. And the other thing, of course, is 
uh, pornography, and that is that kind of it's it's there and it's everywhere and etc. Right? The trouble is, they're both very addictive and very dangerous. Uh, Philip Zimbardo, now I know he looks like a mafia don, but he's a, uh, a researcher and psychologist. I've uh, written this book, Man Disconnected. He, he outlines there's a huge trend in different countries like um, uh, Japan, the USA, uh, Italy, and now happening in Australia, for young men to get kind of addicted to these two virtual things, computer games uh, and pornography. And really... Computer games can be an addiction because your brain's overstimulated uh, and pornography is also an addiction that will actually mess, mess with your brain and the whole way that you see the world and other people. All right. What about a positive view, though? So what's masculinity? Um, your mission is to talk at the table and answer that question. I want to hear some answers from you. What do you think... What is masculinity? Okay, well, yeah, have a talk. You can see, just, I'll ask you, in a, in a couple of minutes, I'll ask for some thoughts. Okay, gentlemen, any, any thoughts? Um, you'll have, have to speak reasonably loudly because I'm half deaf. So, anyone? Thoughts? Well, the first thing is that there is a difference between men and women. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, the question is meaningless. Yes, the difference between men and women. Yes, or the question is meaningless, correct. It's a little, it is, I just want to get you thinking. It's a little bit hard to define, isn't it? And what's the difference between masculine and male? Uh, so, I spent months uh, reading about all this stuff, and here's, here's an attempt to make sense of it. Right up. There are only two sexes, yeah? Male and female. And they are related to your body's um, reproductive system and the, the reproduction of the production of reproductive cells, male cells and female cells. Not only that, even at the level of chromosomes, every cell in your body is either male or female. Um, uh, I don't want to get into the whole trans thing, but that, that's, that's the biological reality. Okay. Now, so sex, male, female. It used to be simple, anyway. Okay. Now, gender. I put it to you, why do we need an extra word then? If you've got sex, male or female, why do you need gender? Why do you need masculine and feminine? Gender is the social or relational expression of being male or female. Masculinity is the social or relational way that men express being male. And there's a range of gender expressions, if you like. There's different ways in different cultures that men will express that. Okay? Even within our own culture, so you might say some... Some blokes are more uh, blokier and kind of more on the masculine end and others maybe not so much, but they're still male or female. Now, what I mean by culture is, for example, my great-great-grandfather lived in a place where men wore skirts and ran around, but they ran around killing each other with claymore swords. Okay, so he was from the Isle of Skye. Um, lest we all just worry about Scotland, uh, you can um, be wearing a skirt and still look masculine as well in other cultures. Okay, so it's... Or we went to... Uh, Kathy and I went on holidays to Egypt and uh, we're tourists there and we got a tour guide and these two guys meet each other. These two big Egyptian blokes meet each other and kiss each other on both cheeks. Well, it'd be a bit weird here, but I wasn't going to tell them it was weird. Okay? Uh, in Egypt, it was just fine. All right. Now, this one, I hope you might have some thoughts on. 
So what's the difference? If that's gender, the way that men, the social expression of how men behave, what's the difference between boys and men? What's the difference, how do you know the difference between boys and men? Well, you go, have a chat. I'll ask a question in a moment. All right, gentlemen, what do you think? Can you tell me what you think society might say? Uh, what you say? What, I'm just happy to hear your thoughts on that, on that question. Society would say if you're 18, you're an adult, so you're a man. Okay, so society says 18, yep. At age 18, you're allowed to what? Drink, uh, drive, go to vote. Go to war and get shot. Yeah. Yep. Was that so? Yeah. Okay. So there's a line, but but turning 18 doesn't quite. Other other thoughts? Yeah. Wait. Wait. Sorry. Yes. So, I asked my my dad this question once, and he said about taking responsibility. About taking responsibility. Okay. Your dad's a wise man. And he's about 20 slides ahead. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll listen to your dad. Yes, sir. I was, was going to say the, the physical uh, development, you know, or is, uh, you know, still developing, whether it's the body. Yep, there's certainly a physical yeah. aspect to it that, uh, you know, I remember my, my son, you know, he used to be this tall, now he's this tall. I get a hug when I see him, but we both know, yeah. you know, who's the strongest now, and yeah, that's it. Uh, there comes a certain time when you shave, you know, your face, and then your head, and then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir? Um, so we had a discussion about uh, what if you had a mentally disabled adult with a child of an eight-year-old, a 40 or 30-year-old, would you consider that for you? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, uh, you know, your mental age and your physical age don't always line up. Yep. And I, I do, it is a huge burden that parents of um, mentally disabled children carry because they'll never grow up and leave home. You know, they, yeah. And they won't look after you when you're older. Yep. Any other, any other, uh, Boys will tend to be much more, better, mate. sorry, boys will tend to be very self-focused because they're playing most of the time. Hopefully men are actually taking responsibility, which we said earlier. You know, they'll be behaving in a way which is looking beyond just themselves. Yeah, they'll be looking after people, they'll be looking at the other way at work, doing, you know, doing things for others as well as for themselves. Can you say the next, no, you can't say the next slide. <laughs> no, that's right, here we go, that's spot on. Here's my step. I must have read your book. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, um, there's lots of wrong answers, like turning 18. Uh, is, it's not, that's, that's not really the answer. Like how big you get physically, that's part of it, but it's not the answer. Um, where I grew up, in the culture that I grew up in, the country town in the 70s, was how much grog you could drink. Uh, or the success of the ladies, or the car that you drive, you know, etc. Et, you know, um, et no, no, no. Here's, here's what I reckon, and it picks up um, what David and... I'm sorry. Andrew's dad said... Um, well, sorry, Andrew, Andrew, listen. So that, no, that was good. Um, here we go. Steve Bidoff uh, is a, lives in Tasmania, Australian author. He's written a book called um, Manhood and then The New Manhood. And I'd agree with almost all of it. Like, there's a couple of things I think I wouldn't agree with, but it's a, it's a good book. I heard him interviewed on the radio once and they asked him, what's the difference between boys and men? 
And he said, boys care about themselves, men care for other people. Boys care about themselves, men care for other people. Which is exactly what David said. So, as I think, and you might be able to think too, I've known 17, 18, 19-year-old men, but I've also known 50-year-old boys. If you work on that, on that definition. Um, it's all about who do you care about and are you willing to take responsibility for caring for people and looking after them. Now, what's interesting, in the last probably five years, Jordan Peterson, uh, can you just, if you've heard of Jordan Peterson, can you just kind of, yeah, okay, good. If you haven't heard of Jordan Peterson, there's this thing called the internet, and you might want to get on with it. It's, it's like on computers now. Yeah, okay. Uh, Jordan Peterson, his message is basically, yeah, life is hard, so grow the hell up, get your act together, and make life better for the people around you. Now, that's summing up hundreds of hours of podcasts and books and whatever. Um, what, what I find really interesting is he speaks generically to anyone, but the audiences that follow him, like, and he, he spoke to 10,000 people in Brisbane not long ago, sold out the Sydney Opera House in like five minutes. It's young men who turn up. Young men who say, hey, that, that message actually resonates. Why hasn't anyone told me that before? Here's a quote from Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. Uh, by the way, his first book, 12 Rules for Life, is, is excellent. The second volume, is it 12 More Rules for Life or something? I think it isn't quite as good. First, first one is actually really good. He says this, It's for this reason that I tell my students, aim to be the person at your father's funeral that everyone in their grief and misery can rely on. There's a worthy and noble ambition, strength in the face of adversity, that is very different from the wish for a life free of trouble. Isn't that an interesting goal to have? Rather than kind of that life would be simple or I could just entertain myself or whatever, that I'd be the one in the family that people know that they can rely on and look to. And it's interesting that that sort of message resonates with young men. All right. Men in the Bible. Um, I... I know some of you guys, I don't know you all. Um, I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus. But let me assure you, the Bible has real wisdom for how we to live. Real wisdom. The way that the Bible sees men, Jesus and the Apostle Paul see us as, as individuals, yes. Uh, we can take that for granted, but actually it's, it's, it's essentially out of the Bible that the value of the individual has grown and the fact that each person has to make a response to God themselves. So, yes, that's there. But if you want to understand, the Bible says, if you want to understand yourself and what masculinity is, and if masculinity is the way in which a man should live out being male, it's in relationship. So the Bible talks about men as sons, as... Um, as friends, as um, if you're married, you know, as a husband, if you have children, as a father. It's the way you relate to other people. So I looked through every... Now, if you, if you want to have a look at my humble little book, there's much more detail than this here. But let me just walk you through some of these. When you look at what the New Testament says to men in each of these different roles, very interesting. Let me walk you through them and see if you can tell me at the end 
What is the common factor across all of these different things? Okay, let me show you. Here we go. Um, as a man, the Bible doesn't. The Bible sometimes addresses men just generically. Here's one in one Timothy chapter two, as he's talking about the way in which the Christian church should operate. He'll say, "Therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting holy hands without anger and disputing." So you're meant, to, you're meant to pray, yeah, lift your hands in prayer without anger and disputing. You think, well, what's the flip side of that? Actually, you could be angry and fight and you're saying, don't do it, right? Or as a son. Now, I'm sorry, I won't be able to go, I'm going to run out of time, but uh, it's interesting that Jesus gets stuck into the religious leaders of his day in Mark chapter 7, why? He says, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions, he continued. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honour your father and mother. Now Jesus then gets stuck in the fact that they were using this kind of um, uh, legal technicality to not care for their parents financially. So Jesus assumes as a son, you ought to be what? Honouring your father and mother and caring for them when they need it. Or the next one, younger men. I write to you, young men, because you are what? Not a trick question. Strong. Strong. Okay. Yeah. And the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Yes. But when the Bible does address young men as well, Peter writes, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Or Titus 2.6, similarly encourage young men to be self-controlled. What's it saying? Young men are strong, but young men are dumb. Okay? So, strong, yeah, good, that's great. And dumb. And why does that mean? Well, you should be humble and teachable from those who are older and learn self-control. Okay, so for young men, it's that... Physical strength, yeah. Older men, teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Yeah, it's all about character and behaviour. You notice the strength part's kind of dropped out there. And then the word elders, presbyteros, it means older men. Now, as Peter writes, yes, he's probably talking to people who had the office or were recognised as elders in the church, but notice what they're to do. To the elders among you, Peter says, be shepherds of God's flock, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So the physical strength thing's dropped out, okay, but you're to be... Examples to the flock. And shepherds or pastors, the same word. So as, how are you going to lead? Well, you're going to be wise, etc., but you're going to set an example to the flock. Or well, it becomes even clearer with the husband thing. If you're married, um, Colossians, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. You see the implication? You could be, don't do it. Ephesians, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Love your wives sacrificially. Or 1 Peter, husbands in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner 
and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Why do you have to be careful in how you treat your wife as, as the weaker part? Why? Because 95 times out of 100, the man's bigger and stronger than the wife and so you'd be very careful how you use that. Uh, and not only that, the Christian wife is told to be submissive to her husband. What does that mean? I think it means actually she's, she's supposed to respond to his loving care so it's easy for him to love her in that way. Um, uh, fathers, if you're a dad, okay, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Point being, you could exasperate them, frustrate them. Or Colossians 3.21, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Uh, why should you be kind to your children? They'll choose your nursing home. <laughs> it happens. Okay, we, we'll talk a bit more about fathering later if you wish. Uh, or masters. Um, the, the slave-master relationship in the New Testament doesn't fit exactly the parallel of boss and, or employee and employer or boss and um, subordinate or whatever, but... It's, it's close enough to get an idea. And masters, what? Treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favouritism with him. All right. Now, here's my question. What do all of those verses, those instructions that speak to men, what do they all assume about men? What's the common thread that runs through them all? Have, just have, have a chat about it, all right? What's the common thread that runs through all of those relationships and the common thing in each of those instructions? Yeah. All right, gentlemen, what... Um, uh, I probably should give you time in the Bible and to go through all of that, etc., but uh, we've pressed it. What, what did you think? What's the com- can you pick a common thread through it or common thing about the instructions? Every one of those, those verses that speak to men in those different roles... What is this here? A little loud, mate. They're all in some sort of leadership role. Yes. Yes, some sort of leadership role. Yes. And what they do then has an impact on those around them. So they are leading often by example. Impact. Yes. Did you notice every one of those assumes that a man, whether young or old, uh, whatever related, can have significant impact on the people that he's involved with. There's power in the relationship. If you're a young bloke, you mightn't have much money, you're big and you're strong. Right? And so what do you need to learn? Well, you need to learn self-control and some humility and etc. And who should you learn that from? You should learn that from the older men who aren't as strong anymore, but what's the power there? Well, you've got resources and influence and example. Yeah, does that make sense? Right? So you, there's, every time you say, yeah, you've got power, but you be very careful how you use it. Or husbands, it's even clearer. A husband is to love his wife as Jesus loved the church and laid down his life for her. What's the authority he has? Well, he's bigger and stronger, so 1 Peter, don't be harsh with her. But Ephesians says, she's supposed to be submissive to you. Now, by the way, a husband is never told to make her submit. Never. It's between her and God. Okay? Uh, but, but she's told 
to make it easy for you to love her and to be submissive, well, boy, um, uh, Paul and Peter both say you better be very careful how you use that authority that, that God has given you. And the fact that you're bigger and stronger means you should look after her. She's the weaker partner. Fathers, when they're little, you've got all the power. And so you can embitter them. By what? Frustrating them, showing favouritism, not being consistent, not being around, all those things. And, and uh, Paul, uh, Paul says, don't do that. Be consistent, be gentle, be training them, be careful how you use that power. Because I tell you, the power moves from you having all the power to you sitting and eating custard by the spoonful and maybe they will visit you in the nursing home. So, it, you know, you've got to be, be aware of that. Um, uh, masters, well, you've got... Yeah, sure, they... Slavery in the New Testament... Um, they don't try and overthrow slavery immediately. They just redefine it and change it. And inevitably, slavery must disappear in a Christianised world um, uh, or society. But masters, yes, you've got power, but you'd be very careful how you use that because you have a master in heaven. Do you, do you see the thing? Men have power. Now, I think often blokes, we feel like, oh... You know, I, I, I don't have any power. It's only a little part of the world that I'm involved in. You have the ability to make a massive difference to the people around you. You do. And so all of that stuff about what you see in the movies and the sitcoms and the confusion, basically an irrelevance to each individual life. You can stand up and you can make a massive difference to the people that you care about. But what it means is it means acting like a man, not a boy. Uh, so if you want my... Humble definition of uh, healthy masculinity. Here it is. A willingness to take responsibility and use the power that you have to care for and nurture those around you. You think, oh, well, it'd only be a little part of the world for me. Yeah, but it's a part of what you care about. I've got a lovely wife. I've got four kids, three grandkids, and I, I can make a major difference to that little group of people. And guess what? They're the group of people I care about most in the world. So, by the way, it does fit with what Jesus says it means to follow him as well. So, then he, Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. I would say no to your own agenda, count your own lives over and follow him. And as you do, of course, as you follow him, as you serve him, you'll serve others around you. (laughs) Let me read you a story. I had this, um, this story prepared because uh, I thought I was going to speak to the year nine youth group. Uh, but it's a cracker of a story and wait till you get the punchline. Uh, I grew up in Grafton. It's a beautiful town about an hour north of Coffs Harbour. It's inland and the Clarence River divides Grafton from South Grafton. Uh, that's the old bridge. They've now built a new bridge uh, and the new bridge has a traffic light. <laughs> Grafton has a traffic light. I can tell you're excited about that, but if you lived in Grafton, it was exciting. Um, that, that footbridge, you see along, along the bottom there, you've got the cars go along the top and then trains go along the bottom, but beside the train line is a footbridge and you can see the railing there. That's about 20 metres above the water. Okay. And I've walked across here a hundred times, but I've never had the uh, kahunis to jump off because that's double the height of an Olympic diving board, 20 metres. Here we go. 2008, Corey Warburton 
um, is walking along the uh, footbridge. Here, here we go. Uh, in July 2008, 14-year-old Corey Warburton left off the bri- left off, of, off the bridge into icy into the icy cold river and rescued an elderly woman who was floating face down. The Year Nine student from South Grafton was walking across the Grafton Bridge uh, at about 11 a.m. on Monday, the last day of his school holidays, when he was spurred to action. He said, "I was going for a skate and I came across a jumper folded up." and a note on it with some glass, uh, sorry, a note and some glasses on top, he said. The note said something like, sorry, I can't take it anymore, um, and it had a name on it. Corey looked down and 20 metres below, twice the height of an Olympic high diver's platform, he saw a 70-year-old woman floating face down in the Clarence River. I thought she was dead because she wasn't moving, he said, but then she moved her hand or her face. So it was off with my shirt and my shoes, I called out for help and then dove over, which probably wasn't the smartest idea. <laughs> After a huge leap into the water, Corey says he, he jumped from the bridge a few times before, he surfaced a few metres from the woman and about 80 metres from the riverbank. So the Clarence River's about 150 metres wide at that stage, it's huge. Ask how cold the water was, he said, I've got, sorry, ask how cold the water was, he said, you've got no idea. The woman was half unconscious. He said, I was trying to keep her head out of the water. She kept going under, and whenever she did, I went under too. And so I had to try and pull myself and her back to the surface again. It was fairly hard. Still wearing his jeans, Corey said, it took him about half an hour kicking with all his might to swim towards the riverbank while holding the woman afloat. As he neared the bank, a 16-year-old boy waded into the water to help pull the woman from the water, but they became caught in thick reeds. Police eventually arrived, cleared the reeds and helped all three to shore. The woman was taken to Grafton Base Hospital in a serious condition, an ambulance spokesman said. Um, police said she was expected to make full recovery. Corey told 2UE News, one of the policemen came up and hugged me. It was a little bit odd at the time. He called me a bloody hero and asked the other coppers to do something special for me. Despite the incredible rescue, Corey continued to the skate park as though nothing had happened. When he got home, he got home uh, his mother Stephanie at first did not believe the story. Um, she said, I thought it was a joke at first because he's a bit of a prankster, Mrs Warburton said. The family had been astounded by the interest Corey's actions have generated. At school yesterday, many of Corey's friends came to work brandishing the local newspaper's coverage of his deeds and calling him a hero. Uh, it's pretty crazy being ambushed going down the street. People coming up and trying to shake my hand and going, congratulations, he said. But the attention has not affected her son, Mrs Warburton said. Corey's just Corey. I'm getting a headache from all the attention, but he's just walking around. What's all the fuss about? Corey's a little bit of a wild-looking character with his cap turned backwards, wild hair and wearing, and wearing skate gear. Most people think he's a larrikin, but he's just got a heart of gold, his mother said. The local MP, Steve Cansdell, from, for Clarence, which covers Grafton, said it was a brave and selfless act. What he's done, he deserves the highest commendation for his selfless act. I'm talking to senior police tomorrow and I'm hoping uh, a commendation for bravery award is something that might uh, come of that. Now, great story. Um, I've never met the young bloke. I've, 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 I left town long ago, but I noticed it. Here's, um, here's my question. As a man, would you do what Corey did? Or if you're in year nine, would you do what Corey did? 
My guess is we'd want to answer yes. Yes, I would, in similar circumstances, or at least I'd give it my best shot. And yep, one big heroic event to be a hero, terrific. But you know what? It's highly unlikely that anything like that will ever happen. That's why it made Channel 9, the City Morning Herald, all the local papers, because it's rare. I tell you what is much more likely to be the challenge. Will I get up off my bum when I'm sitting on the lounge with the remote control and unpack the dishwasher for my wife? Or will I happily, if you're married, will I happily go with her to visit her mother? <laughs> there you go. That touched the nerve, didn't it? Right. Will I do it? Why? Well, I mean, Corey, he, he was a hero. He got... But, you get up and unpack the dishwasher, who notices? Well, she does, right? Your wife. Or your mum. Or will I make the, do the, go the extra mile at work to actually look after my colleagues? Or will I... There's all those little everyday things that other people probably aren't going to notice but can make such a difference to the people around you. Here's some... Uh, Thoughts. What difference can a man, younger or older, make to the people around him? I, you know, we'd all like to be heroes, and etc. But like I say, it's very rare. It's very rare. So, what difference would you make? Um, I'm going to leave these up um, as a list in a moment. Get you to talk about what difference it make. It's about stepping up, take responsibility, use the power that you have. All right. Well, at home or in your family. You may, be, um, you may be an old single man living out, okay? How do you look after the people that you care about, the people you live with, etc., or your family? Uh, if you're married, it's pretty obvious who your family is if you're still living at home uh, as a teenager. What difference can you make if you take responsibility and look after the people around you? Or at work, or at school, or at studies, etc., or with friends? Uh, in order to look after your friends, in order to have long-term friends, there's a cost. Cost is time and patience and forgiveness. Or at church, if you're a follower of Jesus or at youth group, how do you make a difference to those people that you care about? Um, all right. Let me... Uh, okay, you might want to have a, uh, a bit of a chat about that uh, for a minute and uh, there might be questions or comments. Now, Mike, you said an hour. That's 58 minutes. Can we go just a little bit longer? Is well, we've that? Got to the board, so... Okay. Yeah. All right. So we want to have a chat. There's there's the list. Um, also, though, uh, I'm happy to talk about. Should you wish, I'm happy to talk about um, choosing the real rather than the fake. Uh, what I mean is to live in the real world rather than the visual world. Um, and there's a couple of particular issues that are relevant to men um, in that area. So, but we can talk about that, should you wish. Have a chat, see, see what you can come up with. Willingness to take responsibility is the power that you have to look after the people around you. All right, gentlemen, any, uh, any thoughts? We'll have uh, question time on, uh, on Slido if you'd rather um, dial them in you know, uh, online. But any thoughts, questions, comments?
You do in a dentist's hours, it's like 22. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bit. <laughs> take initiative seems to have been a thing for the discussion for the other end out. Yeah, just take initiative. Yeah. Because right. you can. Yeah. Because practically, we've been taking initiative. If you talk about doing chores, like at home, that's one thing. Or like, one thing I like to share with you is with, with friendships, I think. Like guys, well I noticed like my dad doesn't hang out with his friends. I don't even know who his friends were, like when I was young. Like just this, you know, it kind of shows how much he doesn't hang out with other people who just work a lot. Um, and yeah, like at my age, it's also like taking initiative to plan time to go out or whatever it's. Yep. Yep. To keep, to keep long-term friendships uh, is an effort, but it really is worth the effort. And so that means, yeah, allocating time and being available and uh, that sort of thing, yep. Sometimes even having to organise it, even when people don't ever seem to be around to uh, Yep. I certainly found out that a number of groups of people who I want to stay in touch with, I tend to be the one who organises it. Everyone enjoys it when they get together. No one's just going to get around with it. Yeah. And at yep. home, uh, uh, it's easy for me to say my wife's not in the room, uh, but um, uh, pulling our weight in terms of housework, not being selfish, taking the initiative, can make, make a massive difference to uh, uh, your wife and uh, if you're married and her life, etc. Never do it, right? Make sure you do it, even if you're weak. Make sure you do it. It's really important. Ah, right. Yeah, you've got to do it. Well, I say to my wife, look, when a man says he'll do a job, he will. You don't have to remind him every six months. Say that again. That's a fail. That's a fail. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you say you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, okay. Look, let me let me just talk about a couple of things. Games online, etc. But they are deeply addictive. And, and who, want, you know, who wouldn't want to save the world uh, with a team of your mates uh, while you're sitting in your mother's bedroom in your jumps? It's not. Uh, so, you know, when you're in computer games, etc., you know, you feel like you're saving the world, but actually, what does everyone else see? Well, everyone else sees, you know, <laughs> it's not that cool. Right. So, um, that's one thing I think, and there's more and more uh, young ones. Why? If you're not sure about the real world, the virtual world is, uh, you can be a hero online. And, and young men want to be heroes. So I'm, I'm telling I'm, I feel the problem. I'm not exactly sure how to fix it, but it is, it is a problem. But I'll tell you one that's even more of a problem, and that is pornography. Uh, and I don't say this to beat you up. My, my dad took me to my first porn movie when I was 13. Uh, what he was thinking, I do not know. Uh, and then again when I was 18, whatever. And uh, this has been a temptation and a struggle for me all my life. Okay. So I say this as a, many of us will also have that same thing. Why? Because we're wired up to be visually stimulated. I used to think that pornography was like a sugar hit. Okay. 
that, but it's not. It's more powerful than that. It's a dopamine hit. So dopamine's about the pleasure centres in your brain. And um, uh, normally, you know, uh, how can I put it? Pornography pushes the dopamine level in your brain up to the level of, you know, cocaine or whatever it is. It's massive. But what happens is over a prolonged period of time, uh, when, when your dopamine levels are artificially elevated, your brain is very clever. It's always trying to get back to what I call homeostasis, back to kind of normal. So what happens over time is the number of dopamine receptors in your brain actually reduces to bring it back to normal, which means that over time, the rest of life kind of grays out. It actually affects the way your brain works. And as well as that, it's like it'll poison the way that you think about women. And that guy, Philip Zimbardo, he, he links, links it out saying, pornography addiction ends up, you, you're not able to actually, if you're married or whatever, you're not able to actually have sex with a real woman. And so the, the amount of uh, sexual dysfunction, particularly among young men who uh, got addicted to this stuff, the, the numbers are you know, going through the roof. So it really is, it really is poison. Now, I, I think too, though, that it's so powerful and so strong, it's very hard to beat it on your own. Yeah, very hard to, to leave this behind. So, what I say, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, you know, I know everyone goes to the Sermon on the Mount, so if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed it, and yeah, sure, that's, yep, that's right, etc. But I think the real verse that speaks for is this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So the idea that this stuff will rot your soul, that, that's the reason to, to stay away from it. What do you do? Well, I, I encourage one, if you, if you do struggle with this, to talk to an older Christian man, a pastor or someone who's mature in their faith, you'll be surprised at the level of um, empathy and understanding and support you can get. But then the other thing is um, uh, to stop the technology that, uh, you know, whether that's covenant eyes or whatever it is, you've got to be some way of actually stopping the technology uh, that you can use to look at this. Because uh, you'll have a battle. There'll be, um, uh, when good Al is in charge, uh, I don't want to look at the stuff. It's, and now, no, take it away. I never want to look at it. When bad Al is there, like emotionally tired Al, mentally tired, all alone Al, all that. I just made a good Al needs to make sure that bad Al can't look at this stuff, or that if bad Al does, bad Al's in for a world of pain. <laughs> okay, you get the idea? Yeah. So my point is to say not to. Uh, give you a guilt trip about it, but just to say that it's poison, but it's sugar-coated poison. And it's very hard to, uh, if you do get into that cycle, it's very hard to, to walk away and to defeat it on your own. And that's why God's given us other Christian men to help with that. Okay, yeah, that's my little rant, yeah. Whether somebody, or somebody confides in you, Okay, yeah, I can stop. Is it, 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 is it
Oh, yeah, sorry. I mean, yeah, that's right. They'll say stop it, right? But I, I don't think you're going to be um, uh, listed as the worst sinner in the world or whatever. It's going to be how do we work together to help you stop this? John? So I'm saying the tendency for many of us to empathise, I don't want to be judgmental, but the other person might be actually wanting me to actually tell me to, you know, stop it. Yep. So when I say empathise, I mean I understand this is a temptation. It's wrong and it's evil and it's poison. Stop it. Yeah. I had a, one of the guys I knew who was in ministry said if anyone on his staff ever said that they looked at pornography, they'd be sacked immediately. And what does that do? Well, it just means the whole thing goes underground. No one's ever going to talk to him about that temptation or struggle they had. So I'm saying to you, stop it. But I just think we need to a little bit of understanding that this is a modern day plague and we need to work together to be it. Do you want to push back on that, mate? Is there too much understanding? Okay. We need just the right amount of understanding and a hard enough decision. Where, yeah? If the person wouldn't come to us, probably never go. Sorry? If the, the person probably wouldn't come to us and depend on that, if they didn't know already that they didn't stop it. Uh, yes, we got this. Yep. I've got one man who comes to me about every, about once a year, and says he's got a real problem with pornography, and uh, he asks me to be his accountability partner on um, Covenant Eyes, and I say yes, and we talk, and nothing happens, and he, he's gone, and he comes back about a year later and he does the same thing. And that's happened three or four times now. But I can't help but think this particular man is not really for real about leaving it. Um, we do have the conversation, it's got to stop, it's killing him, it's everybody. He doesn't follow through on the accountability software, he doesn't, I think, well, yeah. Yes, yes sir. Um, yeah, just continue on that. Uh, I, uh, I, I say this knowing that I can't so like a child is and I don't have kids, I'm not a parent. Um, and I know that there are a lot of dads in this room. Um, but I think like with this porn thing, like I think that's that's one thing I wished my dad would have thought to me about. Like about you know, just in general about like sexuality, not just not just like the sin stuff, but actually Celebrating how God has made made us, because I think that's one thing that can also be um, reduced. Like we always talk about sexual morality, and, and and we should repent, and that's that's fine. We should, but we we often forget to also celebrate celebrate the positives. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's like, but my my question is, do you have do you have any advice on how a father would speak to his son about this stuff? Like, Day issue because yeah okay I say this because and it's nothing against my dad but it's surprisingly difficult for some dads to speak to their sons about this matter yeah yep and actually I don't know if it's more difficult uh, in Asian culture than Anglo culture as well I say that I've got about four hundred Chinese relatives okay so and I chose and I chose them. Um, so I don't know, but I, I suspect it could be as well. But if you're a dad, um, 
it, it, it's worth kind of pushing through to have that that conversation. Or sometimes it may be the you know youth group leaders too who can help fill that uh, fill that gap. It's much more a problem now than when I was a kid. Um, you know, when I'm when I was in year nine, ten, whatever. If you wanted to see anything pornographic, someone had to steal a pornographic magazine from their their dad's cupboard or a news agents, and it got passed around, you know, sweaty hands in the woodwork room. Um, now there's just a whole world of it in your pocket. It's so it's much much more of a play now than you know 40 years ago. That's why I think actually without beating beating each other up about it. Uh, Christian men do need to talk to each other about this and encourage one another. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks, Al, for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, uh, I suppose um, the way you define masculinity is about you know, using your power and influence for the benefit of others. Um, it strikes me that women are called on to do that as well. Yes. So is masculinity just sort of about the degree to which you do that, or like, what's, how do you distinguish yep. between the feminine and the masculine? Right. I got a section in the, in the book, I actually took out of that, of the presentation today, because I thought I was talking to the year nine boys. <laughs> uh, uh, on, there tend to be character traits that we look to that are masculine, and character traits that we look to that are feminine. So, taking the initiative, being organised, being task-focused, we kind of think of as masculine, um, being more um, maintenance-orientated, um, uh, drawing people together, nurture, care, more feminine. And the masculine and the feminine are, are I think, a continuum. Okay? And, and uh, what Alan Medija said is right, I think, that, that men tend to be more up the kind of masculine end of behaviour, um, doing, looking, taking the initiative. Women tend to be more the um, nurture, care, kind of um, drawing th people together end. But people are on different continuums. Right? So some men are more, have more kind of feminine traits, other men more, more masculine. And so I think men will take, this, take that initiative and um, care for those around and tend to do it in more masculine ways, I think. I think that's the way it'll tend, tend to be. Um, and women will do that in more feminine ways. I think that's the, the difference. Part of the, I think I can say, women are much more likely to care for the people around them than men. Uh, there's a blank statement. Huh? Why? Well, you give birth to someone, you're kind of locked into that for a certain length of time, and etc. whereas men have a more of a degree of freedom I think blokes are much more likely to be selfish than women. They might sin in different ways, but you know, I think that's the so the call men to um, and also men have power in relationships that women don't. They also have some power, but men have power. We're bigger, we're stronger. We have freedom because we're not attached to children. Uh, Christian wives are told to be submissive to their husbands. Fathers are told to be leaders of their homes. That we, you know, so. That's why the emphasis on, on men and power. Yes, sir? Uh, you had like four circles in your presentation. You had work, family, friends, and church. Yes. Uh, particularly in ministry, do you ever feel that your work uh, 
sometimes takes you away from some of those other circles and your ability to care for them. And if you have a framework for how you can maybe balance that out, or if maybe potentially how you would even rank them. Yeah. You've been talking to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that's right. And I think when my kids were little, I, I, I was uh, guilty of having too much time for other people and outside the home and not around enough. In my, here's how I think about it. I can't necessarily show you Bible verse for this, but here's, I tend to think in concentric circles of responsibility. And that is, I've got real responsibility for my wife, Kathy. She's, you know, okay, I've served the Lord Jesus, number one, but a responsibility for Kathy and then uh, children and grandchildren, like family, etc. And then I think, well, okay, I've got responsibility for my church right, as, a, as a pastor. And then, if you like, the further the, 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 church, the circle gets out, the less influence and also less responsibility I have. Um, but I, I say to men in terms of their work, uh, one thing to remember is um, when the phone stops ringing or the emails stop arriving, who's going to be around? Good to think about that. So, you know, you've got a big job at the moment and you're so busy and all that kind of thing, but one day the phone's going to stop ringing and uh, uh, you might even be looking for emails. <laughs> who's going to... I hate them. I hate emails, right? But who's going to be around? So that, that's one way, another way of thinking about it. You know, who will, and who is it you really are responsible for? Um, so... And the other thing I'd say is you, your kids, if you've got kids, they're only little for a little while. Um, I look back, my, el my eldest is 40 next year. And I can't help but think, where did that, where did that time go? So, so be around. Yeah. Yes, sir? Sort of to like bring it all back in, I find it quite interesting, and like get the higher the issues. I find it quite interesting that like the Bible like demeans every man like, and it shows their glories except for Jesus. So, like, in light of that, what kind of simple hope can you share with all of us? So, you say involves the means, you mean involves the rule of sinners? Same everyone here except for Jesus. Like, what kind of simple hope? What kind of hope? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. The, yes, the Bible shows every man's a sinner. Um, and it's interesting, as you read the Old Testament, man, the, the heroes of the Old Testament are flawed characters uh, which gives me hope in fact it is interesting that um, probably the only two major characters in the Old Testament who come out looking good are Joseph and Daniel and neither of them were prophets or priests they were you know, businessmen administrators um, everyone else got flawed we are flawed we are sinners. And at that level, I think the Bible is much more realistic about human nature than, some, than every other worldview I know of. Um, what I like about the Christian faith is Jesus calls me to live to something bigger than just myself. And so the great challenge, for example, I think the great challenge in marriage or parenting or pretty much any relationship is to learn not to be selfish. I reckon that's the... so. I've got a long way to go, 
but I figure I'm probably doing better than I did 42 years ago when I got married. So I think, it, what sort of hope? Well, learning not to be selfish. Now Romans chapter 8, around verse 28, says, if you're Jesus, man, God will use everything that happens to us to work together to conform us to the image of Christ. Now there's real hope. That's great news. If I can say the hard part is, the easy things in life don't teach us much. So it's going to be the hard things in life that will mould you and change you and make you a better man and more like Jesus. So if you sign up to follow Jesus, you can guarantee that he will put hard things into your life to teach you, mould you, change you. So there's the hope. Learn not to be selfish and the hard things are on the way. He also promises that his spirit's going to be living in us as well as his followers. So he's hopefully along there. Yes, he does promise that his spirit will be living in you to change you to be like Jesus and to give you uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 11, endurance and patience. Endurance and patience is the work of God in in the Christian man's life. Any other questions, thoughts? A few screensavers going on, I can see here. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I've got a weird one. Yes. <laughs> so I've got a son and daughter that they're both in high school. So I was talking to my daughter and I was asking her, oh, what do you, your friends look like, talk about and like? And she's talking about her friends' girls' school. They're like this person, this, this pop star, whatever it is, you know. And then I'm like, oh, what does this pop star look like? Look at a photo of it, it looks like a girl. It's a K-pop thing. And this man, I find that this man has pictures that I can't photograph. I get it, James Hart, when he drew, I think, oh, he's hot, I don't know, I It looks feminine. It looks hot. That's right. It looks feminine. I said, that's wrong. I said, if you bring a boy home like that, you're going to be a big top. Yeah. 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 I think it's, it's individualism gone mad. Right? <clears throat> to the point now where you're saying whatever you want to imagine yourself to be, that's who you are. And really that's at the heart of the trans thing. You know, like I want to, if I think I'm a woman, then I'm, I'm a woman. But, you know, there's... So you can drive nature out with a pitchfork, but she'll be back. Um, and then, and so this individualism's gone crazy. And now, uh, what does it show? Well, it, it, it's, it's blurring of the good division between men and women. Uh, and that, that is happening. Uh, how long will there be a pushback on that? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but as far as I can tell, most, most women don't want a bloke. They don't want another woman. They want a man who's a man. Yeah? yeah. I, uh, and, and it's alright while you're a teeny bopper. You want a bloke who's going to turn up and be responsible and find that you can lean on and who's strong. That's, that's what they're going to want. Um, yeah. Uh, like it's a year eight girl. So they're, they're not, I don't think they're looking for someone that's yeah. Yeah. looking at this 
Yeah. You say, you know, you bring someone home like that, I've got a soft spot for them. But <laughs> <laughs> you might lose them. Just swamp out the back. And I'm going to try and, uh, just, yeah. Anyway, I, it, it's that confusion of men and women not a, not a good thing. So Now also though, there's the flip side, and that is wrong markers of masculinity. Right. Now I'm a bit of a buffhead, I like like a ride on mower and a chainsaw, I love my chainsaw. But does a chainsaw make you mad? No! Oh, well, my daughter's pretty good on a chainsaw too. So that no, chainsaw thing doesn't make you mad, or having a four-wheel drive or whatever. Um, you might be a musician, right? you might be an artist, you might be fine. It's when you take responsibility to look after the people around you. That's what, that's what makes you a man. That's healthy masculinity. So you can get confusion, uh, or deliberate confusion, like that clown that won Eurovision with the dress and a beard. That's not good. But also putting the wrong chest-thumping markers on being a man isn't, isn't good either. All that, that's all fun, that stuff. You know, four-wheel drives and chainsaws. That, that's fun, but it, it's not the main game. Right. And then, you know, politically, end us up in places like uh, Russia, with Mr Putin deciding it's time to go and go in order to unite my nation, I'm going to go to war, and I'm going to do it by you know, trying to take back this nation that's next to us. Yep. So. Uh, yes, he's trying to protect Russia. Yeah. A lot of young men dying because of that. Yeah. Yep. Any other thoughts? John? Uh, yes, sir. give you a serious answer. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've had some fairly significant differences uh, over, and I think a lot of them come out of uh, cultural differences. My wife's a lovely Christian lady, so we're united there in gospel things. Uh, but uh, Chinese culture have a different attitude to money um, and a different attitude to family. And they've been the two areas where we've had tension. Uh, <clears throat> and more, it's more like just trying to listen and understand uh, her point of view, my point of view. Uh, what I have learned is that she makes decisions quite differently to me. So I make decisions about four times quicker than her. It's just that three out of four of mine are wrong. So... Uh, <laughs> She calls me the ready, fire, aim guy. <laughs> and she's right. Uh, so, what, um, uh, <clears throat> we, uh, we negotiate around family and, and <coughs> we negotiate around money, yeah. But what I have also learned, if I ask her about a big decision, uh, the immediate reaction is no. Okay. Um, uh, and, and she said, no, 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 no. If I, now I understand the way that she thinks, she's cautious and she thinks everything through. 
I've got a bit of ADHD, I just can't, like, you know. Um, uh, so I realised what I need to do is I submit a white paper to the Senate. <laughs> I said, I've got, right? and, and I put forward the ideas and then I'll leave it for a week. And we might come back to it and we'll talk about it again, etc. And after, you know, after, maybe sometimes it's three weeks or something, often she'll say, yeah, she'll improve it, right? or, or we'll come back and then, yep, she might be happy to go with it. But if after three weeks in doing that she's still not, um, I'm not going to push it because she's a wise lady about lots of things if it's a major decision. Yeah. So I don't know if that's any help. Just understand how she makes decisions. That's one thing we've, we've had to work out. But I do talk about getting things through the Senate. So, um, uh, yeah, which is not always easy, but she's very wise. Yep. Any, uh, mate, I, that's an hour and three quarters. How are you guys going? You're losing the will to live? <laughs> so, any other thoughts, comments? Yes. Uh, just a question on um, being like a single, single guy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, like dealing with intimacy, as in just like, just general like friendships, but also, like with the opposite agenda, like how, how do you how do you go about that as a single like a single guy? Like, is there any particular advice you have? Sorry, does my question make sense? Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the New Testament calls to be beyond reproach. So that means there's uh, uh, be aware of how you relate to other women that you are not either. Uh, I think you got to be careful. Yeah, physically, but also to not lead them on, etc. And uh, be careful in your friendships uh, with women. Um, and then you do need to decide, if I can say, whether you want to be married or not. And uh, uh, if you do, then uh, you know you find the right lady. But if you don't, you have to be very careful in those relationships. In terms of how you, uh, what you mustn't do is lead a girl on. And let her think that this is, you know, if if you if you are not considering uh, that marriage could result from a relationship, don't pursue a one-to-one -one close relationship with a young woman. Because it's not fair on her. That's and I've seen that happen. I've seen blokes, if you like, kind of have the girlfriend thing for a long time with a young woman, and then not marry her. That it's not fair on her in the Christian world. Now, in the non-Christian world, what blokes do is they, uh, they have a girlfriend, they start living with her, and they get sex and housework and company with zero commitment. Okay? And then they'll do that for a while and then maybe move on. And the girls just don't understand blokes. And so blokes are being selfish pigs and the girls end up, you know... So, but anyway, that's, that's the non-Christian world. Um, oh, that is, that's just a rambling answer, but be, be careful with the hearts and emotions of young women. And keep your hands to yourself, that's the other one. But anyway, yeah. Of course, there's lots of beautiful young Christian women around who need to be married as well. Okay. Did you, I think you had a question. Roy? I wanted to ask, 
and the way that you handle the relationship with your wife and all of that, where does submission come into this? I know there's many ways of skinning a cat, and you know, just because your wife thinks that's a big decision, and it's a no, straight out no. Have you? Because I can see some blokes overstep the submission, and some blokes just fall way back from it. Right. This, She's a beautiful, submissive lady in that she'll fit in with what I want to do and generally happy for me to lead on things. With those big decisions, usually they're financial and she's very good with money. So I listen to her. As well as that, she's the one with the money. She got a great inheritance from her dad. So she's, you know, uh, she runs the money in the household because that's, she's great, you know. I was going to say, I don't know whether it's all Chinese culture, but man, Chinese culture's got food and money nailed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I listen. So there's other things that I'll just decide, but it's her inheritance financially, and I'll say, I think we need to do this or that. If I can't convince her, then I've learned it's probably not a good idea. Is that, yeah? But there's other things where I'll decide this and she's happy just to salute. But I listen to her because she's very wise, particularly on the whole kind of money and finances and, and much more conservative than me. And I realise my character fault is ready, fire, aim. So I've had to learn just... My brother's a carpenter. He tried to teach me, measure twice, cut once. Right? Whereas I cut and then measure and then... Oh, you know. So, that, yeah. So submit, now, submission and, and marriage is different to roles. The roles that you have. I generally run um, our long-term planning thing. I'll look a year ahead and make decisions and we've got to actually work on a year planner and I'll think that way. Kathy's a little more immediate day to day. Okay. I'll look at the, the planning diary. I'll work out, okay, well we ought to have a, we ought to rent a beach house so we can try and get our whole family together. We'll do that year by year and I, I yeah. Um, but when it comes to day by day finances, she runs everything. Um, uh, I'll run our social diary. She, she's a genius with food, so she just runs that. Doesn't want, doesn't want me in the kitchen making a mess. So there's just different roles that, okay. Um, when, um, if, if we needed to touch the brakes with my son on something, that's my job, okay. I've got three daughters. When there's one of those conversations, they ring her. You work out who's, who's gifted at what, and if she's a genius with money, let her run the money. Yeah, that's the... Oh, yes, sir. Um, because you've got your son and three daughters, what, what, what um, ways did you try to guide your daughters that was uniquely different to how you... Uh, son, I'm not sure how... how um, I'm not sure how much different or particularly thought out we were with the uh, daughters versus son. I guess inevitably I shared some things with my son that, um, you know, like just kind of a, a love for sport and that sort of thing. But I did speak to him often about um, God made us bigger and stronger than the girls so we can look after them and not ignore them. I drilled that into him from... The, you know, when he was little. And we brought our girls up to be um, uh, independent and strong and just assuming they could do, um, you know, 
they were able to go and do whatever it is that they really wanted to do. Um, you know, sport or education or, or whatever. Mate, these guys, I, I, I think they need to be set free. <laughs> like, I'll go on all day. I don't know what you're very, you're very generous with your time. Yeah, that's coach, but he talks too much. So. <laughs> Not at all. Um, um, but let me, let me finally uh, share my appreciation um, to Al uh, for the way that he's been so generous. He's a, he's a very busy man. I'm very thankful that we've actually managed to grab him. I appreciate all of you uh, uh, rocking up, particularly those of you who are fathers, and we obviously have a great responsibility to care particularly for the young people in our um, congregations and our parishes so just very appreciative for you all being here to make this a priority um, but yeah you've really helped us to think through um, what it means to be a man that we might care and take responsibility for those in our sphere of influence um, and I, I've been challenged uh, just to think about how I can put that into practice more um, particularly in, in the busyness of life. Sometimes I neglect the things that you've been talking about today. So it's been personally beneficial. I'm sure all of us would agree. Um, we've taken something from it that will help us to be um, better leaders, um, better carers like Jesus in our homes and churches and workplaces and families. So um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. um, Al very kindly said, uh, that he didn't want any, any money for this event. He came and gave it his time freely, so I'm very appreciative of your gospel-hearted generosity. Um, so, so thank you. Um, but how about I um, close by giving thanks for Al and praying that God would be at work among us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you um, so much that um, you give to our church um, pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, as Ephesians 4 says. Uh, we thank you today that um, all of us, we have, we have a particular responsibility in ministry um, to those in our families uh, and, and in our Christian communities. And so I pray that we would all take on board what we've heard from Al as he has taught us to be people who step, step up and take responsibility to, to show care and concern for others, to listen, to be patient and to endure through hardship. And we pray you would bless Al and his ministry and his, the various roles that he has as a, as a father as a teacher of the gospel, um, as a grandfather, uh, as a husband, that you would bless him in all these ways, that he might continue to, to serve you in a way that pleases you and that uh, continues to equip others to serve you more faithfully. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.